right now. Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So I had a very busy weekend. Sometimes some of you are in the same stage of life I am. You kind of know what this is like. You know, got my son doing baseball, had an event with my daughter, and I spent a lot of time this weekend doing family stuff. And so when you're doing that, you're still trying to follow the sports world, especially the kind of college football, Georgia football world, because that's what we do for a living. But there's also that moment which you're kind of sort of with your you know family a little bit more. You know, and I'm like so many of you who are running around doing a thousand things this weekend as you're kind of following the scouting combine. Now, some of you are very plugged into this. Our buddy Mike Griffith was on the scene covering for us live. Uh, We'll actually hear from Mike as a special guest late in the show today. Uh, So some of you, this is a very big event. It's the kind of thing that you want to see, not just Georgia guys, but you're a draftnik, as they sometimes call it. You want to see all of the 40-yard times, all the shuttle drills, all those stuff. You want to follow that incessantly on the NFL Network. It's fascinating to you. Others of you are kind of like me. You're just kind of following the social media recap of all of this as you're traveling around, going from place to place and chasing your kids around, which is kind of what my weekend was. And I think for those of you who are kind of in my camp on this, it was really a remarkable weekend when you had a chance to kind of sit down and process all of this and just the extreme level of chatter that Georgia was generating. And it's really pretty crazy. And listen, I've told you before that there are kind of two camps here. There's the one camp of folks who we all seem to love football. Some people seem to love the Sunday version more. Some people love the Saturday version more. I'm always the kind of person that even though I like pro football, I like the NFL, I certainly respect what the league is, the giant brand that it is, and the really entertaining product that it puts out. I'm just always going to be that guy that kind of thinks about the game of football more on, like, say, the Friday, Saturday level than I am the Sunday level high school college football that's just kind of what I gravitate a little bit more towards the NFL is something I enjoy watching but not to the same degree that I like the high school game and the college game that's just kind of how I am so I am always going to kind of look at the NFL scouting combine and the NFL draft process through the prism of what does this mean for Georgia well my gosh I don't think that you could have a better weekend for Georgia and the individual players who showed out but for the brand collectively that big G I don't think you could get much better than what Georgia had for itself this past weekend. Now, I want to chronicle some of this for you, and then that's going to lead me to a little bit of a hot take maybe, but let me call it a bold prediction more so because I think the question that comes up is, well, what does all this mean for Georgia? When you have like this really good day, this really good weekend, what does this mean for UGA? Well, I think we all have a sense of, well, it's going to be a benefit to Georgia recruiting. We've been around the block now a few times enough to kind of understand that. But I want to put this in more specific terms. I want to sort of lay this out in sort of a hot takeish type way. But I want to see if you kind of agree with me when I'm all done. So let's kind of walk through this here a little bit, and then we will uh, – kind of get to the conclusion point on all this too let me start daniel jeremiah now there are a lot of guys doing the kind of draft analyst thing on tv espn seemingly has an army of those dudes but i don't know that anybody is better for my taste than jeremiah on the nfl network he's just to me the most enjoyable listen seems to have what i would describe as the most cogent analysis he's just to me the best guy doing this on a regular basis and to hear him absolutely just laud UGA some of the individual players who 
were on display at the Combine, starting with Jordan Davis here. This is this is really incredible from Daniel Jeremiah on the SEC Network late Saturday night. Take a listen to this. Yeah, the Georgia Bulldogs won a national championship. I think they just won a Combine championship this evening with what they did. Uh, Jordan Davis, you're not supposed to be 341 pounds and move at this speed. You run in the four sevens when you're 230 pounds, not when you're 340 plus pounds, but that's what he did. Never seen anything like it before. My phone was blowing up from general managers. Wow, with exclamation points, never seen anything like it. First of all, how cool is the front end and the back end of that clip at the end there? He says, listen, my phone, Jeremiah says this, blowing up NFL general managers, giving you the wow, never seen anything like it. Now, these are people that are, you know, doing this kind of thing all the time and, you know, frankly, a little jaded, maybe a little, you know, cynical about the combine process, but it sounds like they put some of that cynicism aside for the appreciation of Jordan Davis and and how could you not? We'll look at more of some of the specific numbers on this in a minute, but a big guy running as fast as he did, that's amazing. And to hear Jeremiah, you know, say that Georgia won a combine national championship, like that's a very cool thing to hear because and 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 so many Georgia fans kind of talked about this. It's like the Oh, thank goodness we won the national championship. Therefore, you don't have to hear, you know, Kirby Smart gets all that talent, but what does he do with it? You know, what happens to all them five stars when they get to Georgia? You, you've heard that kind of thing brought up over and over again. And the answer is what happens to those five stars when they get to Georgia? Well, we'll get to some of those guys in a minute in terms of potentially becoming top 10 picks. But in other cases, you've got former three and four star prospects who end up performing like five star prospects. You know, it's the kind of thing that almost sounds like the thing that Georgia would have been mocked for in the past. Ah, you know, Georgia, you know, offseason national champion or combine national champion. But when the combine performance is on the tail end of a national championship on the field, all of a sudden it just kind of becomes the sort of appropriate punctuation mark. To all of that so I, I just love hearing Jeremiah gush over UGA to the way that he did and obviously we'll get more to the Jordan Davis part of this in a moment but y'all know how big of a fan we've been of JD here and to hear him be at the center of all of that was was also really cool but it wasn't just Jordan Davis in a lot of ways what Devontae Wyatt did during the combine is almost just as impressive if not maybe in some people's minds and I slightly more impressive I also think on the level of story the Wyatt story is potentially almost just as good too and much the same way you heard Daniel Jeremiah really giving some praise the direction of Jordan Davis a lot of compliments going towards Devontae Wyatt too Daniel Jeremiah again Devontae Wyatt actually even ran faster that's true which is incredible so explosive you can see it here look at how he's put together getting off the ground quickly see how much burst he has this is, is somebody that I think is going to find his name called somewhere in the top 20 by the time we get to the end of April in Las Vegas you're looking for dynamic interior pass rushers with explosiveness he fits the bill rich and i think there was so much talk about jordan davis because he's so enormous this is still a 300 pound man movement like this yeah you got to say this and listen if jordan davis has gotten more hype at the expense of Devontae wyatt then i gotta raise my hand as guilty as charged and plead the fifth on that because if we've if there's been too much attention given to jordan davis to the expense of Devontae White not getting enough attention, then if then listen, no one's more guilty of doing that than I am because we did the hashtag JDNYC thing all year long. And I do think that Jordan Davis was everything we ever said that he was. And obviously the NFL, you know, scouting combine proves that. But as Daniel Jeremiah points out, 
Devontae Wyatt's going to be a top 20 pick in Jeremiah's words, may have a chance to do that. And he's also 300 plus pounds there as well. And he's running also like that, you know, you know, four point whatever, you know, 40 yard dash. That's a pretty amazing story too. And here's the thing is that Wyatt's decision to come back when he could have also been a pretty highly regarded draft pick a year ago is really very important alongside Jordan Davis' decision to do the same kind of thing. And Jordan Davis, who's kind of an unheralded, you know, former three-star recruit who goes on to become this, you know, great level player. I mean, let's not act like Devontae Wyatt was viewed as this can't-miss blue-chip prospect. You know, we had him at a Marlowe's Tavern event before he signed with UGA officially. And I remember at the time, you know, there wasn't this universal assumption that uh, Devontae Wyatt's going to be the next great whatever at UGA. This was a guy that was a little bit of a project, maybe. A guy that had some developing to do, probably. And lo and behold, my gosh, could anybody have made better use in their time in college than Devontae Wyatt did? So we don't apologize for anything we've ever said about Jordan Davis. Everything we've ever said about Jordan Davis is absolutely true. Combine proves that. But Devontae Wyatt right there alongside him deserves a similar level of accolades. We probably haven't always been as as uh, good as we should about making sure we gave those to him. But now he is getting his just reward. And guess what? That's going to come in the form of a gigantic paycheck very soon. And uh, we can't wait to see him enjoy that. But wait, that's not all. Because obviously Jordan Davis, amazing. Devontae Wyatt, amazing. But how about the guy from a physical st- a specimen standpoint? And, 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 and by the way... <laughs> This is not Jordan Davis, where did he come from? Devontae Wyatt, wow, he's better than anybody could have ever thought. When Trayvon Walker came to Georgia, there were people like me on shows like this saying, this guy may be a top 10 pick one day. This is the guy. And I, how many times years ago did you hear me say that if I could have a percentage of future earnings of anybody on the Georgia roster, Trayvon Walker would be the guy that I would, would take that from? Me saying that in the past, I think feels very validated right now because for as much as Wyatt and Jordan Davis are kind of cool stories of somewhat overcoming adversity, becoming better than maybe some in the industry thought they might be, Trayvon Walker is an example of a guy who was tabbed as a can't-miss prospect and has turned out to be exactly that, a great player for Georgia this season. A, uh, you know, uh, There was a uh, former uh, uh, recruiting uh, kind of analyst scout guy who used to call them pretty athletes uh, a true pretty athlete in every sense of the word is Trayvon Walker all the weights exactly where it's supposed to be and Trayvon Walker obviously solidified his draft status there as well and Daniel Jeremiah one more time there to kind of brag on all of that let's let you hear that I haven't seen anybody over 270 pounds do what this man did at the combine Trayvon Walker was outstanding. And then look at him move here. This was the most impressive part. At Georgia, you know, they use him inside. They'll rush him a little bit on the edge, and then they'll drop him in coverage where he can show off his overall athleticism. And he showed all those skills today here in Indianapolis. I think he's going to be a, a lock top 10 pick when it's all said and done. I think he secured that spot today with a phenomenal, phenomenal workout. Do you know how cool it is to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft? Like how rich Trayvon Walker is going to be? How much Georgia benefits from all of that? Like just say that out loud. A top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Right there was the Bellagio in Las Vegas where the event is this year. Just how much like how amazing that's going to be first of all Trayvon's a guy that's shown himself to have a little bit of fashion sense before he got paid there's no telling what kind of suit he's going to be wearing at the draft how good he's going to look uh you know big guy good looking suit that's always a nice thing to see anyway 
uh that is going to be such an amazing thing to be able to see and you love daniel jeremiah giving him that praise now let me give you a couple other things really quickly i want to make a point about this uh in addition to what all the guys did on saturday you had a chance to see Luisine go on uh sunday i guess it was and you know i thought uh our, our buddy from uh, jim nagy from the senior bowl had a very interesting tweet that got a lot of attention about what he was hearing about what some were saying about Luisine. let me show you this on the screen here it's not all just linebackers and defensive linemen who got their love uh Luisine got some of that there as well jim nagy saying that he heard from multiple teams that george's Luisine blew them away in interviews He's the first safety. He asked the question: Is he going to be the first safety off the board now after running a four point three seven forty and jumping eleven one? Uh, there were some teams that had first round grades on him before doing all of that. So maybe Lewis seen now on the basis of what Jim Nagy's saying here could have maybe truly moved himself into the first round, giving the dogs another first round pick. And then to top kind of all of this off. This is one of those things where you have to stop being kind of like an intense football fan, kind of become a casual football fan for a moment, or almost like a casual sports fan here for a moment to truly appreciate the the value in all of this. So Jordan Davis is doing what he's doing, and it gets the attention of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now, a lot of you are already really plugged in to, to Jordan Davis doing his thing, but it's important to note, and, and you're kind of aware of this, The Rock is one of the most famous people on the planet like there aren't are there 10 people in the world more famous than the rock and i mean that literally in terms of all the action movies that he's done obviously you know time in the wwe but this is a guy who's i mean if you're gonna make as big a summer blockbuster movie as possible this would be one of the biggest guys you could put in there this is like as famous as it gets there's always going to be kind of like that famous you know action movie star guy and in this era the rock is kind of that dude right now so to have The Rock talking about Jordan Davis on social media is, is, is just crazy. Let me show you this on the screen here. So uh, the numbers uh, that Dwayne uh, The Rock Johnson shares, 4840 is fast. 4840 at 341 pounds is very fast, although The Rock says something slightly different there. He says, great run, big man. Can't wait to see you wreak havoc. And then uh, upon hearing about that, the NFL Network asked Jordan Davis. Davis does a little bit of a rock impersonation. And then lo and behold, The Rock tweets about uh, Jordan Davis again. Let me show you that one there as well to give you an idea of just how much attention that Georgia guys are getting. You get multiple tweets from The Rock about this. He says, I've seen some amazing impressions of himself, and he kind of laughs about all of that. If you smell what The uh, Rock is cooking, uh, obviously the famous catchphrase of The Rock there. I mean, that's just that's just amazing it is an amazing level of attention and to go back to the question i wanted to ask to start all this off of well what does it all mean well we know it's good for the players themselves they're about to be very rich we know it's good for uga it's going to have some tangible benefits for for recruiting but specifically it leads me to say this that when you look at the georgia defense from 2021 you can make a case you could argue this that hey this may be the the best defense of of all time there's certainly statistical argument for that there are other defense going to get mentioned here but statistically you, you can make that case and you can hold your own in an argument about that we know for a fact that it's the best defense that kirby smart has coached up until this point however here's the thing that matters to me more than anything else and this is the kind of bold prediction i am comfortable making on the heels of what we saw this weekend the performance of the uga players and all the attention that it got while this may be the greatest defense of all time, and while this is certainly the best defense that Kirby Smart has coached so far, this will not end up being the best defense that Kirby Smart has had at UGA. 
eventually there will be a better defense than this one because of what this defense did in Indianapolis over the course of the weekend. And that may not happen perfectly in 2022. There may be a little bit of a lag in terms of young guys who are being recruited or young guys that get the to give their attention to UGA because of all of this. But that's the tangible benefit that a defense that might be the the greatest of all time, a defense that has been described as historic and kind of once in a lifetime will actually end up not being once in a lifetime. It will replicate itself in some point. And the players who make that up won't look exactly like Trayvon Walker or exactly like Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis or N'Kobe Dean or Lewis Cena or whatever else. It'll have a slightly different composition, but it will have a similar level of impact. That's what this past weekend meant in Indianapolis. This Georgia defense was historic, but the history is only just beginning. There is a lot more good football to come from the architect of all this Kirby Smart at head coach Trey Scott at defensive line Glenn Schoen at linebacker a collection of guys working with the defensive secondary that Georgia putting out historic defenses we may see a lot more of that in the years to come because of the attention this defense got in Indianapolis this weekend I'm Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia Thanks for being with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 945, we start first in 15, dognation.com, dognation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens, Sports Radio, 960, The Ref, all the podcast platforms, the Apple Player, Spotify, worldfamousdognation.com. We post the show each and every day. We're just really happy to have you as a part of what we're doing here today. We got more from the Scouting Combine coming up in a moment. Mike Griffith, who is in Indianapolis, will be with us before the show is done. John Stinchcomb here coming up in a couple of minutes' time there as well. Before that, though, let's go uh, and remind you that our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia make all of this possible. You know, they equip your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. This is one of those kind of weird times in our sort of calendar of of the year where Maybe heat is on at night, air conditioning might be on during the day, or you kind of do what we do in our house sometimes, which is like it gets hotter upstairs, so you get the AC on upstairs, and you got the uh, heat maybe on downstairs because you got uh, uh, you know, just got sort of different climates, different parts of the house. Well, whatever you're doing, AC, heat, whatever else, that stuff is expensive these days, and you want to keep that where you want it to be, which is inside the house. That's what better windows and doors of Georgia give you a chance to uh, better windows and doors give you a chance to do that's when we call them energy efficient what that means is is like you don't want energy escaping out of your house air conditioning heat all that kind of stuff that's wasted money keep it on the inside keep your house feeling good on the inside make it look good on the outside that's also what Pella window and door of georgia is all about for you could help your resale value a lot of folks thinking about taking advantage of these uh, exploding real estate prices right now putting your house on the market well better looking windows and doors certainly give you a chance to allow your house to command the most money possible when you uh, put it there on the, on the market. So think about that as a possibility. Curb appeal is always a good thing. Feeling good on the inside, always a great thing there as well. Big time savings, always a great thing there too. Pella Window and Door of Georgia's got that for you. Between now and April 21st, you can get 50% off qualifying installations. Boy, that's a great deal. 50% off qualifying installations for a brand that's been recognized among homeowners in Atlanta as the best there is when it comes to windows and doors. Pella, window and door of Georgia. They truly are viewed to be the best. All right, let's go around the doghouse before we talk to John Stinchcomb. A little bit more on this combine thing here, and then we'll get some thoughts from John about that there as well. So it was really cool to see not just how well the Georgia players did, how much attention it got from folks like Daniel Jeremiah, who you heard from a moment ago, 
but how much fun the Georgia players seem to allow themselves to have about all of this and the one thing that seemingly was not lost on anybody now you can go to the dog nation youtube page and watch all of the individual interviews from all of these guys and over the course of the next few days we will probably spend some time breaking out some of the things that the players themselves said individually we'll definitely do some of that but I just want to give you one clip right now in the little bit of time we have here right now of the fact that it was not really lost on the Georgia players that they were back in the same building that they had won the national championship in just a few weeks ago and you better believe they were enjoying that so I'm going to give you kind of a this is like one long clip of you'll hear Nicobe Dean in here I think it's Channing Tindall who's in here uh jordan davis is in here kind of spiking the football after their combine performances but also reminding folks who's uh running things in college football right now uga fans love this this is a collection of georgia players take a listen to this I mean, there's an element in which when you hear them doing that, as I said before, I've described this kind of as a punctuation mark, that this was in a lot of ways the true conclusion of these gentlemen's college careers. And to be back in Indianapolis saying, hey, we won a national championship here. And as Daniel Jeremiah said, now we've won a combine championship here now too. It does really kind of signal, I'm not going to say changing of the guard. I'm not going to say that because you know the team that Georgia beat for the national championship Alabama is not going anywhere. And, you know, teams like, say, Ohio State, and I would even include Clemson in this for now, are still very formidable challengers that the 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 top level of college football still includes some very intense competition for UGA. So this is not a changing of the guard necessarily in college football, but the very top of the top list in college football, there is unquestionably another member in that club now. It's a small club. And you got teams like, you know, LSU that kind of pop in there for a year, then kind of pop back out. You get the sense on the basis of what's happened here, how balanced the success was for Georgia this year, that the evaporation of, of, of UGA, the way it happened for LSU, that just doesn't seem very possible here. So what Georgia, I think, announced this weekend in Indianapolis, the same spot it won a national championship, in a lot of ways, this almost felt more of an emphatic statement than even the national championship did, which is that this is a program that's going to exist to be reckoned with for quite some time. And for Alabama fans who might want to convince themselves of, oh, whatever happened in 2021 was just kind of a one-year thing. We had some injuries, whatever other excuse Alabama's making. Boy, it becomes very hard to sell that. It becomes very difficult to sell that. That this was a real reminder that UGA has truly arrived on the scene and going to be a lot of trouble for a lot of programs for many years to come. That is around the doghouse. Mike Griffith was in Indianapolis. We're going to talk to him before the show is done today. Special appearance for him. But for now, what does it feel like to be a player trying to make a name for yourself moving into the NFL draft conversation? And for a guy that blocked great defensive linemen and edge rushers for a living, <laughs> how tough would it be to block the guys who showed out so much on Saturday? So many good things. Talk to John Stinchcomb about. So let's do that right now here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll say hello to John Stinchcomb here. I know that he was like me and like all of us. I think this is a universal feeling, just so impressed and uh, with the NFL combine stuff in the weekend and John you know it's almost hard to believe I mean 
I had high expectations for almost every player that was performing. There were 14 Georgia guys in total. And yet somehow, I mean, basically every guy, I can't think of anybody who hurt himself at the combine, but basically every guy was at least a little bit better than I thought he probably would be. I don't know how these guys could have performed better than they did. And I don't know how Georgia as a program could have collectively come through all of this with uh, a better, shinier brand than it seems to have right now. What did you make of all of this? Well, I think we all knew that this was a special team. I don't think we realized how uniquely special it was. You look at these numbers, especially 40-yard dash time, and across the board, shockingly great numbers. Um, From the bigs, I mean, Jordan Davis is an enormous man, and he runs a sub 4840. That's insane to me. I mean, how does a man that size run a four seven eight forty? Then guys like uh, George Pickens coming off an ACL to put up his time, well, four four seven, which is the same as Channing Tindall put up a four four seven and uh, sticking with the D line. Uh, Trayvon Walker, are you serious? A four five one, that big old joker running four five. Uh, just an incredible performance for all the dogs and really well represented. And I, I think it goes to uh, a couple different things. One, the ability to recruit some high-end athletes. Uh, two, the cultivation of the talent. So give that strength staff and Athens credit because these guys are coming in as high-ceiling players and, and we're seeing the maximization of their abilities. Um, just being able to show in such a uh, spotlight and showcase that they had the opportunity with the NFL Combine to do uh, to show how truly elite they are uh, is really special. And I think we're going to be talking about this class and this performance for a long time. So let me talk about Jordan Davis in particular for a moment because, and what I'm about to say is not a criticism of the recruiting industry because I'm a big fan of the recruiting industry. I think a lot of the guys who work in that industry do a really good job. But to me, it seems like one of three things is more true than the other. Either the industry just didn't realize what a good player Jordan Davis was. George in the past has said that they seemed, Kirby in particular, they seemed to know that Jordan was a pretty special player, more special than his recruiting ranking would have suggested. So maybe this is just an example of, hey, individual players are hard to rate. Every now and then you're just going to swing and miss on one. Maybe the industry collectively just sort of swung and missed on Jordan Davis. Or it's an example of, well, Jordan Davis really was kind of a three-star, the kind of guy that had a chance to play in the NFL but was going to take some molding to to get to that level. And maybe Georgia just molded him. Maybe Georgia just you know uh, provided him the spark that he needed to become the, the full potential that he had inside of him. Or maybe this is an example, and sometimes we also see this in sports, of a guy just decides, hey, I'm – tired of being in a in in a group of sort of average football players I want to put myself in the group of elite football players and he just kind of through sheer will and determination just decides to become a different kind of football player than he was once viewed uh to be I'm I'm always really fascinated by these kinds of stories because in some form or fashion one of those three three things is seemingly more true than the others when you look at the way that Davis evolved what would you attribute it to Well, I think he certainly worked his tail off. I think the credit goes to Jordan Davis first and foremost in that uh, the player that he arrived, whether he was undervalued or even if he was a four-star guy, um, he has pushed himself to an elite level Um, and and hasn't done it alone. I I think you look across that defensive line 
and, you know, the old adage of iron sharpens iron, I think they've pushed each other uh, to, to a, a truly insane level. Potentially three first-round draft picks coming off that D-line alone. Um, that's that's an incredible amount of value. And, and these are guys that, um, yeah, for Jordan Davis specifically, comes in as a three-star. He's had to work his tail off. And, and has done so admirably. I know for the past two seasons, you talk about, um, you know, we, we need to find ways to keep him on the field more and, and get him in shape because of the, uh, the playmaker that he is. And I think this is the result of that hard work and determination to continue to improve as a player. I think two years ago, you could have looked at Jordan Davis and said, man, he's playing at a really high level, but yet, uh, he's continued to push himself to, to, maximize that capability that he possesses and so uh credit again to jordan davis first but also the staff and and environment that is um that's happening in athens i think the fact that you see so many guys pushing themselves to uh, an elite level speaks to the culture that they've created uh on campus and that just because you're good doesn't don't let good keep you from being great and yeah. that seems to be uh, personified not only in performance on the field but individual accolades and and performance especially highlighted in this combine and, and you know we've obviously talked a lot about the defensive line on this show already you and i have spent some time doing that and yet it's like the trio of linebackers in their own way is just as impressive. Now, they may not obviously be drafted like top 10 the way Trayvon Walker is and, you know, top 20 the way that Devontae White is. But I can promise you this that, um, uh, you know, Quay Walker's going to be on a lot of draft lists. You know, Nicobe Dean going to be on a lot of draft lists. Obviously, Channing Tindall there as well. I mean, how cool is it for Georgia to have a trio of defensive linemen like Walker, Davis, and, and, and uh, Wyatt, but also have a trio of linebackers like like Nakobe and, and Channing and, and Quay. And listen, I don't know what football looks like 100 years from now, but you'll always be happy to have linebackers who both hit and run, who embrace the physical style while, while also having above average speed. That's never going out of style in this game. No matter how much it evolves, that'll always be a valuable commodity. I don't know that Georgia's ever had three better at the same time than the three than, than the three you're talking about right there who did so many great things for UGA and themselves also seem to have a very good combine. Yeah, and, and for linebackers, the the way the game has changed and, you know, you see these tight ends. Tight end is uh, I, I, a term I use loosely because they're really slot wide receivers, right? I mean, you got guys like Kittle and Kelsey uh, that can line up just about anywhere. Uh, you know, the, the Brock Bowers of the NFL that create these matchup nightmares. If you don't have linebackers that can run, then you're automatically set behind the eight ball. And, um, when, when guys are able to, to put up the numbers, you know, obviously Nicobe didn't, uh, have a 40, uh, at the combine that, that was recorded, but we've seen him play and all three of these linebackers, if, if nothing else, they can run. And that's what any NFL uh, GM, defensive coordinator, and linebacker coach is is uh, deeming mandatory. And we, we can't have linebackers of yesteryear that are just plug an A and B gap. I mean, you got to have guys that can get out in space and cover uh, because the, the old standard formation of two tight ends and a running back or a, a running back with a fullback 
those days are gone. And now it's four and five wide. And if you, if you want to carve out space to be on the field and not have five and six DBs constantly as a linebacker, you got to be able to run. And, um, both of the, the, the Georgia linebackers that, competed at the combine in addition to what Nicobe's already proven that he's capable of. I think they stake stake their claim as very much qualified to take that next step and, and play linebacker at the NFL level. Let me ask you this for a moment because you've been through all of this. And like the one thing I've told our audience before is is like there is one feeling in sports that's kind of universal and you don't have to have been like yourself big time college NFL player to have felt this like we all know the feeling of doing something athletically and having that little butterfly in our stomach and you know if you played high school you know putting on the uniform and being under the lights kind of brings that about even like youth league sports and like you know I coach my son's baseball team things like that there's a sense in which hey when the parents are sitting around the field and the lights are on that getting the big hit or, or making the big play just feels a little different during a game than it does during practice we've all had some experience with that anybody who's ever picked up a ball kind of knows the difference there and you know obviously big time sports kind of the same thing but the thing I've always wondered, and obviously this is the kind of thing I don't have experience with, when you move on to what these guys went through this weekend, what you yourself went through all along the way towards getting paid at the NFL level, what are the butterfly, butterflies in the stomach like for a chance to impress a scout knowing that there is a big-time financial reward on the other side of this if you succeed? John, you felt that before. How intense are those feelings? Well, they are. They're they're intense because you know you train all of these different aspects of yourself physically and athletically uh, to perform in football. But yet here's a platform that is isolating specific skills that should correlate to you being a, a better football player. Uh, but for most of these guys, especially the big bodies, uh, outside of their pro day, this is probably the last time they're ever going to run. A, a three cone drill or yeah. a 40 yard dash. So to have this one unique opportunity to go out there and perform and show that aside from what you see on tape, I'm also a high level athlete. That's a lot of pressure and it's unique because, uh, for most of these drills, you get two shots at it and it's not a body of, of, of work like what you put on tape, uh, which, you know, still holds the most weight, but these are factors. Guys are moving up and down draft boards uh, based on these performances. So if you've got guys that you know you think are pretty similar based on play, but yet uh, you know, like any good potter, if you give me a, a better piece of clay, you know, what what am I talking about? This is an analogy. I have no clue as to what I'm saying, other than having <laughs> watched Ghost thirty years ago. But you know. For anybody, they're like, man, give me a good athlete that, that can make plays, and I'd rather have that guy to work with. And and so it, there's a lot of pressure uh, during this past week in combines and coming up for the next couple months uh, for the guys that are heading heading back to their school for their pro day to to show that you know it, wherever you've got me in a pool of players, I need to uh, trickle up to the top. So I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, and I don't have a great memory of this myself, but you were taking the second round, I think 78th overall. Um, were you 78th. happy? Was it 78th overall? 78 was my number. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Uh, I was taking 
Thirty seventh overall. Thirty seventh overall. Yeah. I didn't mean to be that defensive that quick. Wow. No Stop worries, down, John. Yeah, no worries. I guess, I guess that would. I guess that would make sense. It's like uh, if, second round pick wouldn't be seventy eighth. If, if I'm doing the math, that's exactly right. So thirty seventh overall, very early in the second round. In other words, um, I said before, my memory on this is a little bit hazy. Were um, were you happy with your pre-draft process? And, I mean, that's obviously a, a pretty high draft pick. Were you happy with where you were selected? I, I don't quite remember all that too well. How did you feel like your own pre-draft process went? Yeah, it, it's, it's so unique. So uh, I trained at Chip Smith Performance. It's, it's the same place where I'm training offensive linemen now that are getting ready for their pro days. Uh, and I've been doing that for the past 10 years since I got done playing. But – um, you know, guys are going to these performance facilities, um, gearing up for you know, the drills that you just saw over the weekend and trying to get ready for these numbers, uh, but also for the, the drills that they'll do on the field. Um, so, so a lot of work goes into it. And the closer you get to the draft, you know, you got an agent, your agent's kind of breaking down. There's 32 teams. Um, we think these are the 10 most likely teams, you know, the next 12 or so are, are maybe if, if the situation is right for them and the draft plays out the way it, it can, they might be potential. And then here's 10 teams that probably don't uh, make a lot of sense, not a great fit. They've got, you know, a couple guys in the same position or they've invested money. So, you get this sense of, of what teams like you, and then you also get a sense of about where you're going to go in the draft. And um, what's funny is, you know, it, it fell kind of in that range. I think there was a couple teams uh, in that later part of the first round that were potentials uh, starting at about pick 20. Um, and then, you're, you know, for me, it was like somewhere between 20 and 40 is about where I was going to fall. But New Orleans was one of those 10 teams that we'd identified as, you know, not likely. But, um, you know, I, uh, having talked to the GM and, and offensive line coach after the fact, they had me higher higher on the board than the 37th pick. So it was a, a value pick for them. So I say all that to say this, B.A., all that preparation, all these mock drafts that you see, uh, you can throw them out as soon as the draft actually shows up because, you know, teams can uh, make a, a decisions for a number of different reasons. And uh, until they call your name or pick their player and, and it's figured out what's happened before them, no one really knows. It's fascinating. I mean, to hear from someone who went through all of this, it's just such an interesting thing. John, thanks for your stories on that. Sorry for shortchanging on your draft status. After all these years, <laughs> I pay you back for your loyalty to our program by shortchanging you as the uh, 37th overall pick in the NFL draft. There's Shame a lot of water under that bridge, PA, but I'm surprised at how quickly I jumped on. Now listen, me. every single one of those draft positions matters. That is that is quite a feather in your cap to have been able to say that you were drafted that high, and I mean that in all sincerity. So uh and also thanks for your thoughts on what happened to the georgia guys here this weekend really good stuff obviously the next time we speak spring practice is getting that much closer so it's a fun time of year to be a football fan and finding out where these guys eventually do get drafted and how they do follow up with their own pro day to go along with all this that's going to be really interesting there as well so we got plenty to talk about in the weeks to come john thanks for being here with us and we'll look forward to speaking to you again soon well i look forward to it because we're just uh we, we're talking about 17 guys that are going to need to be replaced oh, on a yeah. roster that has a lot of young life in it, uh, but there's plenty of holes to fill. So 
uh, it's exciting times to be a Georgia Bulldog, no doubt. Yeah, that's exactly right, John. Great stuff. Thanks so much. Thanks, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, John brings up a pretty good point. You know, it reminds me of a story I once heard about Richard Pryor, the famous comedian who, like a lot of sort of famous people, had a big team around him of like agents and PR people and publicists and whatnot. And they're, you know, as, as he's kind of making the move from like, say, just doing some stand up into movies and things like that, you have this whole boardroom of people who are like, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and then we're going to do this. And Richard Pryor's kind of like sitting around looking at all this happen and uh eventually he's like okay this is all great but the question he had was what are we gonna do tomorrow and (laughs) i think there's something about that that john kind of brings up the end that's really pretty important of i told you off the top of the program that i think eventually george will have an even better defense at some point time under kirby smart than it had this year because of the attention that this year's defense is getting and that may very well turn out to be true but as john stinchcomb brings up at the end of that conversation there what are we going to do tomorrow, though? Because <laughs> for as good as all these guys are, they are gone. And you got to find somebody interior of the defensive line. Zion Logue is probably a name that we'll spend a lot of time talking about the days to come because that's a guy who's going to be asked to do some of those Jordan Davis things for you here this year. And all those great linebackers who played so much, they were so healthy and so good that a lot of other guys didn't play quite as maybe as much as they maybe could have otherwise. All of a sudden now, you got a lot of guys who are pretty green who are going to try to be putting in some of those roles this year. What about them? All that stuff is going to be very much in the center stage in the spotlight during spring practice. Interesting stuff. John Stinchcomb brings that up. Hey, let's go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, reminding you there is a little bit of time left to get involved with our big first ever cruise with Dog Nation. It is limiting, limited space. Also, we're just kind of running out of time to get it booked. So get on board with us, literally, Independence of the Seas sailing in a port canaveral floor that's an easy drive when we cruise we were just on uh, harmony the seas uh very recently my wife and i when we cruise we just drive to port canaveral it's just this easiest port to get to it's a beautiful port and the great royal caribbean cruise ships are there that take you all over the caribbean and everywhere else uh right there for you uh in uh port canaveral so that's where independence of the sea sails out of we're all going to be going so many of you have already kind of signed up to be a part of it looking forward to having a few more of you join up to be a part of this there as well april 25th to the 29th uh we're going to be nassau in the bahamas i had a great time in nassau recently wonderful snorkeling experience some great beaches there you can go to see paradise island if you want to perfect day coco Cay. you've heard me talk about that that might be among my favorite places on the entire planet just to spend a great day there's the thrill side with the water park tallest water slide in north america the chill side so many fun things uh, to do there if you go to dognation.com you can get signed up or find out how to get in touch with our friends of the cruise and vacation authority they're helping us get booked up on all of this so do that with them be ready to go the very first ever cruise with dog nations coming up in april and we want you to be there but you got to go right now and get get going on that dognation.com the place to go for all of that we have as we transition here to cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean by the way don't forget mike griffith coming up here special monday appearance from him uh, after having been in indianapolis we'll do that with mike here in a couple of minutes we have pretty big news from around the rest of the sec to start off our sec through it comes from lsu where Jaden daniels former arizona state quarterback who started off his career on a very strong note big numbers a lot of attention was kind of thought to be a future darling in the nfl draft the quarterback position to be completely frank he has not followed up that first year with the same level of success since then and has probably seen his star diminish somewhat that's just that's just the facts 
However, he did recently put his name in the transfer portal. This was treated as a pretty big deal, and he has now pretty quickly found himself a home. Let me show you this on Twitter from LSU. After the reports first surfaced, it is now official and final that Jaden Daniels is officially a uh, Tiger. And by the way, as a little bit of a, a geek here, I love the fact that so many teams are now using the football card style graphics for their announcements. Like, that's a really cool thing. And uh, a nice graphic there for LSU is Daniels now in place at LSU for some people this leads to some questions of what about Miles Brennan Brennan deep ties to the state of Louisiana has had a chance to compete for the LSU starting quarterback job a couple of times put his name into the transfer portal not too long ago and then took it back out which was seemingly a signal that he was you know all in on LSU and maybe the heir apparent the quarterback position there the arrival of Daniel seems to cast that into question but the fact of the matter is while Daniels has not played as well recently as he did at the start of his career, I still think he's probably a better quarterback than Miles Brennan is. Brennan's had a couple cracks at this to become LSU starting quarterback and has never quite done that. So I would give Brennan a chance to win this quarterback job because I don't know that Daniels is so good that you could at least consider that. But I would also probably say this is Daniels' job to win. My guess is that he will. The other thing this brings up is with Daniels pretty quickly going into the portal and then pretty quickly finding a home at LSU – what does this mean for a different Daniels, JT Daniels, who I didn't expect to go to LSU, but you do expect to hear from at some point in time. And, you know, you kind of wonder, well, you know, Daniels, who the assumption is that he's going to finish up his coursework at Georgia. That's the assumption that he has to do that, graduate in May, and then can transfer after that. But he's not precluded from committing somewhere right now uh, as someone in the transfer portal, because for the most part, that's what these things are. They are commitments first and then and then you know it's made official after that when will we hear something from jt daniels i don't have any idea but it's interesting to hear all the quarterbacks we are hearing something from before jt gets his chance to find his new home so this will continue to be a story that we're watching pretty closely a couple of tennessee themed stories here for right now first of all lane kiffin doing what he does uh, trolling on social media there's been a lot of controversy around college sports but the the need to change the rule to prevent fake injuries but to be totally honest, nobody seems to know how to do that. And I guess I'm probably in that same category there as well. You don't want to accidentally punish teams for truly having a hurt player. But also, there is something very unsightly about the way in which some teams are kind of faking all of this right now. And there were some allegations of this uh, around the Tennessee Ole Miss game, which was a very you know, controversial game in its own right because of the 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 debris that was thrown by Tennessee fans and the thought that maybe Ole Miss along the way to winning that day was faking some injuries to kind of slow down uh, Josh Heupel in the Tennessee offense so Lane Kiffin never won to to pass on an opportunity to kind of do a little trolling uh, saw the story from 24-7 sports let me show you this on the screen here uh, so 24-7 sports writes the story the NCAA has decided not to institute in-game penalties for fake injuries ahead of the 2022 season and Lane Kiffin tags Tennessee football uh upon seeing that tweet lane kiffin obviously always going to be himself uh pretty funny stuff let me do just do two other stories here really quickly so nicholas i'm oliva a big time quarterback for the class of 2023 recently took a visit to tennessee seemed to enjoy himself there on campus there for uh that one this is the kind of quarterback that for the most part tennessee really hasn't been in on prior to josh heupel but you kind of wonder uh with the heupel offense there the praise that it's getting is this the kind of thing where, 
you know, I am a Leva said a lot of nice things about Tennessee. Will this be one of those things where the Vols really do have a chance to really connect and gain the commitment of a big-time quarterback? We'll find out if that happens. One more Tennessee story to get to. They also took the commitment out of the transfer portal of a former Georgia Tech defense back, Wesley Walker. And honestly, I have no idea how good of a player like this could even be for Tennessee. But it does speak to, for all the folks who are talking about Tennessee as a potential sleeper, surprise team in the SEC East, we know what the Vols for the most part do on offense, but what can they do defensively? And we know how depleted that roster was at the end of the Jeremy Pruitt era. Josh Heupel really inherited kind of a mess there on that side of the ball. And for the most part, a lot of the folks who watched Tennessee closely last year will tell you that they probably played above their fighting weight defensively in a way that was almost more impressive than what they did offensively. They didn't have a lot of talent, but they did play relatively hard. The numbers weren't great, but the overall, I guess, uh, level of play was pretty high given the talent that was there. But adding some names to the transfer portal and building that up going to be a pretty important thing for uh, Tennessee going forward. So a couple of interesting stories there will make that. cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And also, we've talked a lot about the NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis. Let's hear now from someone who was there and saw it all firsthand. It's Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. Mike, uh, you were there. You had a chance to speak to a lot of these Georgia players. You, uh, you know, kind of saw how all of this uh, played out. What did you th- uh, just give us your thoughts about what you saw there? Just mind blowing, BA. Mind blowing. It, it was. It's the pinnacle. It, it's the most important thing that's happened for Kirby Smart in terms of securing the future of the program since he's been the head coach. It's bigger than the national championship. You know, Kirby talked about that on signing day, that the national championship just doesn't carry as much weight with kids. You know, but what are they looking for? Well, they're looking for money. They're looking for inducements. They're looking for reasons to go to the program. And Yeah, they want money up front. We know that. It's always been that way. Now it's above board with NIL. But what they really want is to get to the league. And this was an advertisement for Georgia football like no other. I can't remember another team taking over an NFL combine like the Georgia Bulldogs did this weekend, particularly that front seven. Really the front three, because N'Kobe's going to wait to do his combine drill in Athens. But to watch Jordan Davis run a 4.7840 at 3.41, to watch Devontae Wyatt emerge as a first-round pick, a lot of guys weren't even talking about Devontae this year. Now he's a first-round pick with that senior bowl and that outstanding combine, Trayvon Walker, workout wonder, and Lewis Seen. I think Lewis Seen got himself in the first round VA with that 4-3-7. I mean, that's what Tyson Campbell ran last year. So that was the best advertisement, and it's going to carry. It's going to carry. They're going to be talking about these Georgia Bulldogs for the next month, April 28th, 29th, 30th. It's going to be another huge advertisement for Kirby Smart and Georgia football. I think this path packs an absolute wallop for the future of the program. And, you know, listen, I'm kind of a hype man by nature. I like hyping things up, and I'd be tempted to want to hype this up, you know, no matter what. And yet I'm I'm just amazed by the fact that I almost don't have to do that, the fact that the NFL Network sort of did that for me. Right, uh, other right. folks who were there, like, that's the part that I find so amazing. Like, I don't mind telling you, I'd be totally given in to the hyperbole and all this. I, I love nothing more than kind of making things seem really big and really fun and finding a kind of a juicy, hot take way to say things. But on a day like this, the thing that I can't get over is the fact that I don't really have to do that. Like Daniel Jeremiah, who's a lot more sober and 
you know, a lot more, uh, you know, kind of, you know, down the middle than I typically am. Like he's already doing that for me. I don't have to do that because he's kind of already doing that. That's to me what's so amazing about the weekend is the fact that people who aren't quite as given to hype as I normally would be are more than happy to kind of speak on behalf of these Georgia players. Well, there's always two narratives, right? There's a local narrative and there's a national narrative. And, you know, the local narrative for Georgia for a long time has been how good they are and how close they are. The national narrative was they were never going to get over the hump. And we could look to be, it was just a couple years ago I wrote the story. You know, Georgia led the SEC in basically every single defensive category. And they were top 10 in the nation in every defensive category. And J.R. Reed was the only first team pick. And, and we look at each other and go, why is this happening? I remember Monty Rice. Monty Rice upset. You know, all they want to talk about is Alabama, but you look and it's the Georgia linebackers that are in the NFL mindset. And he was right. It takes time to change the narrative. You got to win the big game. The Bulldogs did that. Now you got to produce at the combine. Listen, that was not a fluke. I'm looking at this combine now and I'm saying, damn, they should have won by even more. I mean, you might have six first round picks. You know, I'm saying, geez, Georgia was even better than we thought. They could have been even more dominant against Alabama, you know, with, with a little better offensive play through the first three quarters. I mean, this was historically good. You could have five first-round defensive picks, Brandon, and I haven't done the research yet, but I don't know that I've seen that. I know Bama had six first-round picks last year. I want to say most all of them were on offense, right? You had Mack, you had the two receivers, three, Najee, four. You had the offensive lineman, five. I, I'm struggling to remember the six, but – what Bama did last year with six first-rounders, Georgia could do this year. And then on a macro level, LSU set the record with 14 guys picked in the 2020 NFL draft. Georgia had 14 guys at the Combine. And John Fitzpatrick is a guy a lot, that's going to remind a lot of people of Charlie Warner when they turn on the film. If Fitzpatrick gets drafted, you know, Georgia could, could break a record there. Who else really helped themselves? I mean, obviously, we've spent a lot of time on the show today on the front-end guys who, you know, defense linemen in particular, who seem to really solidify status. But, you know, I think the, the times for, like, say, Zamir White were very impressive. Going back to George Pickens a little earlier in the uh, combine time, you mentioned some of the stuff that's being said about Lewis Seen right now. Mike, who else would you say, from a strictly draft standpoint here, probably made a, a strong impression? Lewisine. Lewisine was looked at as the number three safety going in. He came out as the number one in a lot of eyes. I mean, that's four three seven. I, I didn't expect it. I'm going to be honest. I didn't, in the 36 vertical, I didn't expect that from, I mean, I knew he was special. We know he hits like a train. You know, Kyle Pitt's still having nightmares about that. that. That hit he put on Brian Robinson and run support was just, and then you talk to Lewis. And, and I don't know if anybody, if everyone has seen that interview, but it would really behoove you to go to our Dog Nation YouTube channel or Facebook page where you're watching this at and find that Lewis Dean interview. You will have, you will just be amazed at this kid and how cerebral he is and how ready he is to step in and be a leader in an NFL All Pro. I can't say enough about Dean's interview, his combine. I mean, this was a coming out party like no other for Lewis. He said he even put his hair up because Will Muschamp told him to. Yeah. He didn't go with that sheepdog look he'd been wearing. All year, we all kind of laughed about it. But Lewis is just, he's a fascinating young man. He's going to do incredible things. Now, you mentioned Zamir and Cook. Here's the thing. Here's what I would say. Yes, 440 and 442, we know where that stands historically with the Swifts, the Chubbs, the Michelles ahead of all of them. And I don't want to call it a problem, but I would say the situation is, is there were three backs that ran faster 
you know, and, and Kenneth Walker from Michigan State stays ahead, and the kid from Iowa State stay ahead in the picking order. Ty Chandler ran a faster time from North Carolina. I think they held ground. It was important they went there and did that, you know, because the, the question you've got to ask yourself, it's twofold, really, right? So one, what are the positions that the NFL really stresses? And we've seen somewhat of a de-emphasis of running back in these recent years. That's not news. Now, the receiving running back is making a bit of a comeback, and that's why they're, they're a little higher on Cook than Samir, because he's been so good as a receiver. But then, you, you know, so you got to look, one, how high up do the positions get drafted? And then, two, where do you rank at that position in a given year? You know, so you're probably looking at Cook at the very best being the third or fourth running back taken, and Samir is maybe the fifth or sixth. And where does that place you in the pecking order? So they went there, they took care of business, they held serve. Those were great numbers for them. Unfortunately, there were some other backs that did some great numbers as well. Um, so those were some guys that really impressed. Now, Darren Kendrick, Jacoby Dean, like I said, we're going to wait and see what they do at the Georgia Pro Day. I think the hay's in the barn for everybody else. You mentioned, uh, you know, Jordan Davis, obviously, Brandon. I mean, yeah. this is your guy. You know, he's been your guy from the start. You, you nudged me. You mentioned his name before anybody else halfway through his freshman year. I put him on the freshman All-American team, even though his numbers weren't great. And a lot of people asking me, why are you pushing this guy for fresh small American? I said, sit back and wait and see. Uh, you know, he, it's just been storybook. He is a college, he's a first ballot college football hall of famer. And, and what we've seen with him is m- remarkable. Jake Camarda. I'm going to throw Jake Camarda out there is another guy, you know, four, five, six, 40. Yeah. Punters 40 times don't necessarily train, but it just shows you how prepared Jake is. Most underappreciated, underestimated, uh, player on this Georgia football team this year was Jake Camarda, the way he flipped field position, came up big time and time again, burying teams. Um, can't wait to see the career ahead for Jake Camarda in the NFL. Also one of the better guys at the pitching wedge of anybody who's at the NFL scouting combine probably as well is uh, Jake Camarda. Um, you mentioned Lewisine in the uh, interview stuff. Like that's the other thing that's kind of really interesting to me, and there's probably an element of like the press conference stuff that's more interesting than the actual performances themselves. What else jumped out to you about what you heard from former Georgia players over the course of the last few days? Well, you know, you said it best. And, and we live-streamed most all these interviews on our Dog Nation Facebook. I, I don't think anybody else did. It was very unique and cool that the NFL Network allowed that. You know, I, I think some of these I, I, licensing agencies for schools can learn something from that. It, it just draws more interest. It didn't detract from the NFL Network's coverage at all. It enhanced it. Because it got Georgia fans engaged. They were able to see and hear. And, and for us, you know, these interviews are different. I mean, it's hard to explain to fans how the interview system works. But when you go over to, uh, you know, Buckmere Heritage Hall, I mean, there's 10 people around one guy in a circle. And they're just firing questions, machine gun order. And the kid's job is to try not to say anything because Kirby wants to keep it very vanilla. That's just Kirby. I mean, it's Kirby's going to Kirby. You know, whether you like it or not, you can criticize it, but that's what he's going to do. He's going to try and shut these kids down, and he doesn't want them to say hardly anything. At the Combine, it's different. This is their audition. This is their coming out party. This is about them. That's still about team, and you saw they represented Georgia extremely well. I mean, this was these, – these kids didn't – I even uh, shot Kirby a text and told him, I mean, your kids are blowing up these interviews, man. I mean, they were outstanding. The way they represented – Coach Smart, the program, the fan base, um, they, they just did an unbelievable job. And once you got to know them and hear the Lewis scenes and the Devontae Wyatt and the Channing Tindells, once you got to hear these guys speak, it all became clear and understandable. 
what was behind those words. When Kirby talks at his coach speak, every coach says there's good chemistry. Every coach said the guys are in tune with one another, and it just sounds cliche. But when these players talk and give you anecdotes and stories, and, and you can hear the love that they had for one another and the University of Georgia and their voice, it just brings the whole thing to life. And, you know, one of the main questions is when did you realize you won a championship? And different guys answered it different ways. A lot of them said, you know, when we came back here and saw. But for me, this was the first time I felt like I covered a championship program. I heard the voices of champions, Brandon, and I saw those kids carry themselves in a way like top programs do. The confidence, the poise, it was, it was one hell of a show, I got to tell you. Let me finish with this, if you don't mind. It's kind of a different subject here. One of the things that's come up a little bit in our comment section today is, you know, uh, Arizona State quarterback Jaden Daniels enters the transfer portal, pretty quickly kind of finds his home there at LSU. Um, I think it kind of leaves some folks wondering, not that we thought JT was going to LSU necessarily, but but like what this means for another Daniels, JT Daniels, in terms of being in the portal, you know, presumably waiting to graduate. I think that's the uh, understanding. And then – you know, still free to commit at any point in time to anywhere, though. Like, do you have any kind of update on the timeline of sure. JT Daniels when when we might hear something about his next football home? Sure, sure. I've been keeping up with JT. I, I still talk with the family. And, um, you know, LSU was one of the early teams. You know, the funny story, when JT went to uh, Notre Dame on a visit out of high school, uh, you know, he had to take a red eye from California. And I guess that, you know, as his dad was telling me the story, you know, Brian Kelly told him, you're one of the best, you know, court, you know, drop back quarterbacks I've seen in the last five years. And JT yawned when he said that. He didn't yawn because he was bored. He yawned because he was exhausted. Yeah. But his dad said, yeah, I don't know if that left the best impression with Brian. I said, probably not. Probably, probably not. So even though LSU was one of the schools that contacted JT, I don't think he had a lot of interest there because that quarterback room is just a bit of a, uh, it, it's a mess. And, the, you know, JT doesn't want to go somewhere else. I remember he's had some bad luck. He had bad luck in California when he got hurt. And Slovis came in, got got tight with that coordinator. You know, this last year, all the receivers went down. And, you know, Kirby saw fit to run a different style of offense. And it only makes sense. I mean, it's hard to go four and five wide when you've only got seven healthy receivers like Georgia did at the start of the year. And most of them had never played a game. So, I mean, Kirby had to make a move there. And, and, and JT, you know, Kirby wanted to come back and compete. But JT. JT doesn't want to put himself in that kind of position again where, you know, you just, you just never know what the head coach is going to do. You just don't. The offensive coordinator does one thing, the head coach does another. So where he's at right now, there's three or four programs out there. I've written about it before. You know, everybody knows, you know, that Missouri was the first team on him. You know, Missouri wants JT. You know, everybody knows that, the, you know, West Virginia and TCU and Oregon State. I mean, these are programs that are, you know, in Notre, in Notre Dame. You know, there's different programs out there at different places in their quarterback uh, room. And JT's going to be thorough. He's going to play this out. And there's really no reason to commit because, like you said, he's got to graduate from Georgia anyway. And the minute he commits somewhere, you know, think what that does to that quarterback room, right? Imagine if somebody committed to play quarterback at Georgia right now, but they weren't going to be here till the summer that would certainly change the tenor for every quarterback in that room. Well, it's the same way for JT. So there's no reason to really commit now um, as much as there is to just watch how these other quarterback rooms play out. He's in touch with all these programs. Um, you know, he could step in and be the number one in any of He's got to just what program runs the system where he fits, 
and where can he, you know, win games? Because right now it's about getting to the league for JT. As I said, it's about getting the league for all these guys. He wants to win games, but right now, I mean, we're talking about year four. You know, he wants to go somewhere where he can showcase his abilities and, you know, have a healthy season with a good supporting cast around him. Uh, Mike, good stuff. Thanks so much for being here today. Uh, I know you got some vacation coming up, so we appreciate you letting us find out from you what you saw in Indianapolis for the Scouting Combine. Uh, hope you have an enjoyable time, and we'll look forward to getting a chance to also speak with you back here very soon on Dog Nation. Truly, truly a historic highlight for me to cover that Combine. It was amazing. Good to hear, Mike. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much. Good stuff there from Mike Griffith. Also remind you, enjoy yourself some finished long drink. It sounds like Mike's ready to kick back and relax here a little bit for a couple of days. And when you're ready to kick back and relax, the finished long drink is a great way to do all of that. It looks like a beer because it comes in a can, but it's not a beer. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail. All you got to do is pop the top and pour it, and you're enjoying it, whether it be the traditional, which comes in a blue can, which got the same gin kick, but with a little bit of a grapefruit flavor to go along with that, or the long drink cranberry, which is the same kind of thing, but the cranberry flavor, long drink strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume. I know some of y'all like that. Uh, long drink zero, zero carbs, zero sugar, all of that. When you check out thelongdrink.com, you can find out more about all the different varieties. You can also find out about the cool story. It starts in Finland back in the 1950s when the summer games were there. It's been now in the United States for a couple of years, and it's uh, right here for you in the state of Georgia there as well. Pretty much anywhere you want to go, you can find yourself some finished long drinks. So go to thelongdrink.com and uh, check that out, and you can enjoy uh, some of that today. All right, before you kind of fire up the music and, and go, I want to spend a little bit of time here doing – our, our golden shoes here because there's something that's got to be kind of explained so obviously we close up the show we always like to do golden shoes this is a way of celebrating the gator haters in our audience or just whatever crazy thing we happen to have on our mind any given moment but there was a tweet from former florida coach dan mullen that recently got some attention let me show you this on the screen here for a moment this is our so you see mullen and this is kind of like the social media thing that a lot of people do where they take a picture of their feet with the the beach and the ocean kind of behind you and all this and what's funny about the dan mullen tweet here is that got a lot of attention is like it wasn't necessarily florida fans i should say georgia fans mocking all this there were a lot of florida fans who weren't happy about this for a good number of reasons some people were kind of giving uh, mullen a little bit of a hard time for wearing the floral print bathing suit the swimming trunks my thought on that is like like have y'all seen swimming trunks like what do you think swimming trunks are you know kind of made of these days i mean trust me if you go on the dog nation cruise you're gonna see me wearing some floral print you know bathing suits just because it's just kind of what there is i guess maybe i don't know maybe you're all wearing speedos or something but you know just that's just kind of what swimming trunks kind of look like well the mullen picture got a lot of attention because he's kicked back relaxed on the beach our buddy mad dog though had his own personal spin on this we'll give mad dog a golden shoe today because he took the same picture uh dan mullen but he replaced the floral twin uh, floral print swimming trunks with some georgia swimming trunks now i actually don't have these georgia swimming trunks though they look pretty cool though so he's kind of put those on mullen and mad doc's caption is too bad florida fired georgia's number one recruiter and he gives the clown emoji hashtag gator hater mad dog this is very fun that's good stuff we'll give you a golden shoe and let's give another golden shoe to get ready to wrap things up today here to our buddy bubby dean bubby said he got a thousand likes for this tweet which is a uh, very uh, likable so i'm glad that he did it's the evolution of the trash icon for those of you who know that from uh i guess is what windows this is windows this is the trash thing from windows you see 1995 and then 1998 and then 2000 finally working your way up to 2022 when the trash icon is now replaced 
with the Gator logo. This is very funny for Bubby, who's also very good on Twitter. Hashtag Gator Hater for him on that. And Bubby, not only did you get a lot of social media well-earned love for that, but we'll also give you a golden shoe here today there as well. Really, really good stuff from all of our golden shoes. Uh, fun stuff all the way around. And by the way, speaking of those lousy, stinking gators, part of the reason why Dan Mullen's sitting on the beach right now is because it's been 4,806 days since Florida's won a national championship. And Billy Napier, he may wish he was on the beach coming up 236 days from right now because Georgia's beating Florida again, giving Napier his first L. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see you tomorrow Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And on the podcast, I'm now off the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. We'll take your comments here, both on Twitter at DogNationDaily and from DogNation.com on some of the conversations we've been having in recent days, including starting here at DogNation.com from Columbus Dog, who goes back to something we discussed on last week's show, saying to me, really good perspective on the Bama backup wide receivers checking out doing due to a lack of playing time. He says, that being said, if the UGA staff wasn't worried about the quarterback throwing interceptions, the more he throws, and on certain plays, UGA would have a thousand yard receivers. He says that may happen soon, maybe this year at the same quarterback, not dissing uh, Stetson Bennett, just telling it like it has been. He says when there's a gunslinger or a big arm quarterback who doesn't throw interceptions, that pushes that puts the defense in bad spots. He says, watch out. And then he says maybe Heinz Ward joins the staff. So a lot to unpack from there. I do truly believe on the subject of Ward that at one point in time it was kind of a silly notion. But it's becoming less and less silly by the day now that Ward has put himself in a position not just to be a coach. He spent some time in the NFL working for the Jets, but now specifically a wide receivers coach. He's at FAU. So, I mean, this is a guy who's paying his dues and working his way up the grind to to be in consideration for a place like Georgia. Ward seems to be doing it the right way. So uh, one of these days that very well may happen. As far as what's said about the quarterback there, I think all of that's really true, that there are good things and bad things potentially about every choice that's made clearly when Alabama chooses to put a lot of attention on a couple of receivers and give them big stats that works out really well in some regards for Alabama's winning plenty but also great receivers want to go there and get the same level of attention and there are clearly some positives to playing the game that way but what we pointed out last week was and it should not be lost is is there are also some negatives to that too you are going to have other players in your program who are just a little bit less engaged because of the fact they're not getting the playing time and they are not getting the attention now you may say well it shouldn't be that way but there's a big difference between what should be and what actually is like like I'm going to try to, when at all possible, deal with reality on its own terms here. And that is just reality. That team chemistry is aided by getting more people involved in the story of the team and giving more people a chance to participate in what's going on there. And that's just that's just it. Now, conversely, there's also a downside for Georgia, where Georgia plays a lot of players. Let's just keep it receiver here for a moment, although there are a lot of positions where you can say this is true. Georgia plays a lot of receivers. A lot of guys get a chance to be on the field. But there are some players who are going to look at the shared playing time and the shared statistical load. This is not just receiver. Some of the defensive stuff is kind of the same way on this where, hey, I'm sharing glory, individual attention, statistics with other players, and that ain't for me. I mean, there are some players who are going to say that. So which is the better way to run a football organization, the way that Alabama has done it, the way that Georgia has done it? Well, the good news is is that – Football gives you a scoreboard, and over the course of the long haul, we will see for ourselves that 
in future years, we may see Georgia and Alabama rematch either in December or January again in 2022. Who wins that game? Or if they these same two teams play in 2023, who wins that game? You know, we will get a chance to decide which of these philosophies is the best. And I don't know that it's obvious in the forefront which is which, but but the results will give us an indication of that one way or another. And the other point the commenter brings up about quarterbacks, which I just think is just true, is that it's always a mistake to work too hard at trying to limit interceptions. I've told you this before, and some people think I'm crazy for saying this, but I really do mean this. I don't really freak out about interceptions. First of all, if you're George and you got a great defense, that's what the defense is for. <laughs> go get the football back. I'm sorry we gave it up, but now you got to go get it back. Like, if you've got a great defense, then every now and then you got to take that great defense out for a spin and say, hey, we put you in a bad spot. I'm sorry, but go be great. Uh, and that's just kind of how it goes. But the other thing is, and this is, the, I guess, the more serious of the points, it's very hard when you look at the overall statistical profile for a quarterback or let's just say a passing attack the good numbers and the bad numbers are going to go up and down in relationship with each other in other words it's very hard to say hey i'm going to try to reduce my interception number without also reducing my touchdowns thrown number my passing yards number and things like that in other words even predating kirby smart look at the tail end of the richt era Georgia also had quarterbacks where it would try to be a little bit careful with them. But the trade-off for reducing the number of interceptions was also reducing the number of touchdowns thrown, reducing the number of big explosive plays that happen in a passing game. That's just a fact that if you're willing to tolerate a quarterback who throws more, not only will he throw more touchdowns, but he'll also probably throw at least on average, more interceptions there as well. And conversely, if you've got a quarterback who's good at taking care of the football, Part of the way in which you, air quotes here, take care of the football is also reducing the number of big throws you give yourself a chance to make there as well. That is probably true. Uh, One more comment here from Pete's Dogs, who says that the dogs killed uh, at the combine and the moronic Falcons may not still even look at them. He says, how many of you are ready for Arthur Blank to sell this team to an owner who knows how to win? I think that's interesting from Pete there. Um because this is one of those narratives that just won't go away. Even if you kind of show, well, statistically, it may not be as true as you might think. Um, this is one of those things where Georgia football fans, who are also fans of the Atlanta Falcons, want to see more Georgia players on the Falcons roster. Even though I think most of it would, would say, well, you don't necessarily want the place you played in school to be the determining factor, main factor in why you choose an NFL player. Beyond that, a lot of the guys like Pete's dog here saying, hey, Georgia players have proven themselves to be plenty NFL ready, plenty NFL worthy. Uh, they already look good in red and black. Why not wear the the red and black of the Atlanta Falcons? And I just think this just speaks to the size of the brands here locally. Like the NFL is the bigger football brand, generally speaking. But to me, that's always been a little bit like, you know, pick any kind of national pizza chain in any given, you know, situation that's the bigger brand in the pizza world but in almost every town there's a local pizzeria that's selling more pizza and more popular than the big national brand that's just even in your own neighborhood that may very well be true that hey the big brand may be the biggest thing of all but in a small defined area the local flavor is going to probably be the one that folks like the best i think that's very true when it comes to our state and football the nfl is it may be the single most popular entertainment option available. You know, you got Disney, you got Netflix, you got the NFL. Like that may be 
the three big things when it comes to entertainment in the world. And yet here locally, as big as the NFL brand is, here locally, you know, that George G just plays better. That George G just 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 cuts through more clutter. And there are a lot of Georgia fans who like the NFL who just want to see more Georgia guys in the Falcons roster. And who am I to disagree with that? Great comments. Uh, good stuff. Thanks for being here. I will read one more here really quickly. This comes from Twitter. Then we got to go after that. So uh, Ethan writes in to say, should Jordan Davis be the number one overall pick? I think maybe. He certainly solidified himself as a first rounder here this weekend at the NFL uh, Combine. And, you know, one of the things that I always kind of wondered about JD was, hey, you know, could he move more in the direction of, like, say, what Derrick Brown once was for Auburn, Javon Kinlaw once was for South Carolina, interior defensive lineman who collected a lot of stats? And I even said going into last season that, you know, you're going to need to see a little bit more of a enhanced statistical profile from Davis. Ultimately, he seemed to remain pretty comfortable being the guy that helped contribute to other guys' stats. It's one of the reasons why we touted him so much for the Heisman Trophy. It was that selfless attitude. But when you see him perform at the combine this week, what it really ends up being about is, you know, showing up at 341, that was his weight, running as well as he did. I think it speaks to there is still a chance for a good coaching staff in the NFL to see a value add opportunity with Davis and make him into the really good interior pass rusher that NFL teams want you to be. That's just you know the NFL even if you're a, even if you're a good run stop defensive lineman, they still want you to have the ability to get to the quarterback from the interior spot. And what Davis did at the combine this week shows you that while he was not asked to do that at Georgia, it could still be a part of his playing profile. And I think that's pretty interesting. All right, good stuff. Thanks for being here. R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. My buddy Dari Payro and the whole team there at R.S. Andrews, they want to take good care of you. Time to get that AC unit tuned back up. Spring is on its way. Air conditioning's working overdrive. R.S. Andrews is ready for you and all that. So find them online, rsandrews.com. We'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. We'll look forward to speaking to you then.